You're listening to the Womanpreneur Podcast. Empowerment in business and life. Welcome to the Womanpreneur Podcast, episode number six. And today our topic is going to be on passion projects. Passion projects, dreams, all of those things. Quick segue, and these are yeah. not the kinds of dreams that we're going to talk about, but don't worry. Um, last night, had a dream about this podcast. You wanted me to talk about butter. You wow. thought that I loved butter and you wanted to interview, and don't get me wrong, I do like butter, but I was kind of annoyed in the dream because I, I didn't feel that it was a whole, to- whole episode's worth of topic about butter. Butter could be a good thing for us to incorporate into our podcast. <laughs> also in this dream, <laughs> Troy, wouldn't, your husband, would not let us use our lights or our sign. He took the sign away from us and said we couldn't use it. And you were chopping a red zucchini. Wow. In a really strange way. Like, I've never seen somebody chop vegetables that way, but well, that's you don't what really you were wanna, doing. So. You don't want to see me chop vegetables, because <laughs> I bet you that I do chop vegetables differently than most. Oh, now I want to see. Because I'm not a very, I'm not great in the kitchen. <laughs> Pretty much the only thing I do in the kitchen is make myself a little, little coffee every yeah. day, and then... That's it. But um, thank you for sharing your butter dream. I could do an entire and podcast on the weirdness that is my subconscious, but I will not do that. We'll have to I make will... a future episode about that. Uh, I think that might um, take a deep psychological dive that maybe we're not ready for. All right. But... We don't want to. We don't want. We want to make sure that people are digging us and coming back. We'll save the the voodoo <laughs> butter voodoo voodoo butter <laughs> voodoo hashtag butter. voodoo butter yeah we'll save that for for later yeah. when we go deep yes the types of dreams that we're talking about today though are more those the passion projects the dreams the big goals the things that you really want to do um, what do you consider a passion project well to me a passion project is something that just really aligns with your heart. It's something that your heart is asking for, something that you want to do on your own time that you get lost in and you have a lot of fun doing. And it could lead to opportunities as far as like income or could become part of your your side hustle or your work. But a passion project is just something that I think you're answering for for in here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. How about you? I think it's the thing that you can't stop thinking about. And it's that when, you know, and it's sometimes it's a work project, sometimes it's a life move, Mm -hmm. there's all kinds of things that it could be. But again, I talk about instincts a lot and intuition. And I feel like Mm -hmm. if you keep coming back to that one thing that you really want to do, that's, you know, sort of the universe is telling you that is what you should do. And I'm a huge fan of doing what you need to do to make those projects happen or those dreams come true or whatever that might be. Yep. So, uh, I understand that you, uh, achieved one of your deep desire passion projects (laughs) that you could not stop thinking about. Um, hence your beautiful shirt today. It says dream out loud. Oh, is that's a great Mm -hmm. suggestion to dream out loud. So does that mean taking the the stuff that's in here Mm -hmm. and doing this with it? It's pretty much. Oh. It's that, you know, you've had the idea, you had the dream, yep. but you, you put it out there, you you live it, you achieve it, you you know, you do it out loud um, and not just sort of keep it inside, but you go yeah. after it full force and... I love it. It's, it yeah. comes from a U2 song lyric. Actually, it's a lyric that they've used in three different songs, but it's one of those, it's just a simple phrase, but it's an idea that stands for a whole lot. 
That's awesome. Sometimes the simplest phrase in a song can just be like a whole mantra that you mm-hmm. live your life by, you know? It is. It's awesome. Well, I know that you are a huge U2 fan, and I know that um, this was a really big passion project for you, but I would like to spend some time today just in our episode kind of interviewing you a little bit about, oh. you know, can we be official? But I'm, I'm, I'm the one that normally does interviews. So I know. A little well, bit let me try to, let, let me work, let me, let me flex my okay. interview muscle. Okay. Real, uh, before you get into it real yeah, quick, I just want to, for, for anybody who doesn't know Dream Out Loud is a documentary that my friend David, uh, it was actually his passion project. He sort of brought me along because I told him he wasn't allowed to do it without me. Um, But Dave and I have worked together for many, many years, about as long as I've known you. And we became friends. And after we started talking about you too, we sort of figured out we'd been to probably at least 15 of the same shows, but we didn't wow. know each other. Because I started when I was 11. I went to my first U2 show. Um, I've been to 30 or 40 since then. I, I don't know the exact number, but okay. for years, Dave has been talking about this idea. You know, he's a filmmaker, he's a di- director, producer, editor one of those that just does everything. And he had talked about this idea for a long, like since I've known him, it's been sort of figuring out how do we make this documentary, not so much about the band, but about the community that the band has created because you don't see it a lot in music or really anywhere anymore. And I don't think I've ever seen it before. I'm not sure I'll ever see it again, sadly. But it's this band has come together, and the people who sort of follow them, they are inspired to do more and to achieve more. And it's it's really not just people who listen to a band. Right. You know, they go out and they're social activists, and they they try to just they do all sorts of things. And so there there was a story behind the story that we wanted to tell. Well, I remember. This is going back. Gosh, when did you when did you guys finish the when did you actually have the the um, the airing of it? Remember when we mm-hmm. went to the theater and we all saw it? When was that? Like last summer? That was yes. Yeah. So May. we we filmed in 2017. Uh, we followed the band around for three months in 25 cities and I just followed around. We interviewed 200 people to get their stories and to start telling this conversation. Uh, and that was 2017. We. Well, Dave's then started editing it, putting it all together. And then 2018, in the very beginning, we sort of had some last minute changes. We did an interview with Bono for it. And we did our official premiere in May. And that's when we did the screenings here in Vegas. So that's awesome. It was, you know, sort of the year of putting it together. Well, I remember us uh, being out at lunch one day and you talking about this project and how you had a lot of traveling coming up for something that was really important to you. And she really lit up. You lit up when you told me about it. And you said, uh, yeah, I'm I'm really excited. I'm going to be doing a lot of traveling. It's going to be international travel. It's going to be a lot of different cities, a lot of flights, a lot of time zones. (laughs) And it was. (laughs) But it's going to be so worth it. Mm -hmm. And I said, what are you doing? And, And you said, I'm working on a passion project. And you basically let me know that it was a documentary called Dream Out Loud, and it was basically telling the story of you two from the fans' point of view. Mm -hmm. That's the way that I remember you sharing it with me, Mm -hmm. and interviewing the fans because their music is so um, just beautiful and 
well done and loved by so many people that people bond over their music and Mm -hmm. they bond over the experience of going to their concerts. And so you and Dave wanted to basically give the fans a voice, right? Give the fans a voice and tell the story of you two and how their music has touched changed, inspired their lives from their point of view. Exactly. So am I, pu- am I putting that right? Oh, that's perfect. That's This is the way I understood the passion project <laughs> to unfold. Yes. Followed by the email that was like, hey, by the way, this is my travel schedule. And I was like, <laughs> holy cow, girl, you're going to go all the, you know to all those places to, to follow the band? That's amazing. But at first I, I, you know, I understood the vision, the overall idea of it, but what I want to say is your friend and someone who kind of just stood on the sidelines and watched you do this was this really was a passion project. I mean, you were totally dedicated to it. You were all in. And even though it was a lot of work and you weren't getting paid for it, I think that's something Mm -hmm. else to really note about (laughs) passion projects. I might've spent some money to make sure that it got made. Yeah. Oh, you might've spent some money. And I want to talk about that because Uh, I know that you guys mm -hmm. did do some, um, what what is it called? Kickstarter. Uh, Kickstarter campaign. Thank you. You Spaced on that. We'll talk about that too. But um, I just want to say that I really enjoyed watching you and getting all the updates along the way about everything that was going on. And I just want to say I'm really proud of you. Oh, well, thank you. It was a really awesome moment to be able to be at a theater with yeah. a whole bunch of uh, Amanda McCune fans <laughs> and also good friends of Dave and fans yeah. of both of you guys. And to get to really watch all of your hard work come together. I mean, it was so well done. I thank mean, you. top notch. I was, I mean, I knew you were good, but I mean, I don't know that, I mean, she, you guys, she's pretty incredible. So I just have to say, but I want you to go ahead and tell me some things that maybe I've sparked in your mind as I've brought some of this up. Well, and it's funny the the thing that you sparked in my mind actually has very little to do with the film. Does it have to do with butter? It doesn't have anything (laughs) to do with butter either. (laughs) Okay, I'm just checking. I I appreciate you checking on that. But, you know, you you mentioned that I lit up when I was talking about it. And that's the thing that doing the film, even though it wasn't my idea, um, but it was something that was very important to me. Like I said, I've been following the band since I was a kid. I mean, first concert was when I, not my first concert ever, but my first U2 concert was when I was 11. And I'd already been listening to I mean, there was never a time in my life when they weren't there because as a band, they're actually older than I am as a person. So there has not been a time when they haven't been there. She's just bragging about how young she is. No, (laughs) come on now. That's that's exactly what I was trying to get in there. Like just plugging that she's youthful and you are, we are, we're youthful, forever young. I'm just saying. But no, but they've been as yeah. for so basically as long as you can and, remember. Yeah. All kidding aside, and, they've been around. Mm-hmm. And and Dave and I, you know, and and my brother. It's always been a thing that my brother and I have done together. Like we yeah. went to that show when I was eleven, and then when I was sixteen, and then when I was twenty-one, and then like basically every tour until the recent years, my brother and I have always that was like what we did. It was That's just cool. kind of a thing. And my mom, like she's been to a lot of them. She took us to the first one. She. <laughs> She took us to the second one, but she had to sit out in the parking lot because she didn't have a ticket. <laughs> so Aww, mom, take it one for the team. I <laughs> made up for it in future tours. We bought her a lot of tickets. We took her to a lot of shows, Aww. but she still remembers sitting outside. Um, you sitting know. out in the parking yeah. lot waiting for her children. That's a really <laughs> nice a mom. mom isn't what it? a good mom. Yes. I thought so. She, you know, Aww. we're pretty lucky there. That is awesome. But 
you know, and it, it's at, especially as I got older and started going to these shows, you know, we would always, uh, starting in the 2001 tour, they started doing general admission tickets again, which, you know, basically you show up and you wait in line yeah. and you want to get the good spots. So we would get there super early. Now, now that whole thing is sort of expanded and people start lining up days, days in advance. And it's a little bit crazy. It's intense and the but whole bit. Back, you know, back then it was, you just show up super early the morning of, and you sit there all day. But we would meet the most fun people and hear the best stories. Just like spending that day, like standing in line or sitting in line is never fun, but it was in those cases. So we just really, you know, it, there was something more to it. It's like, look, there's this place that I can go that suddenly I have so much in common with all these people. Yep. And so they, it did mean a lot to me. And when, you know, Dave and I had just talked about it throughout the years, but then the band announced this, it was the 30th anniversary of the Joshua Tree, which was sort of like their big, I mean, their the one album, if they, if they're really known for one, even though they've yeah. been around for 40 years, which is crazy. Um, but that, that was, they, they went on tour for the 30th anniversary of that. And there was sort of this element of nostalgia and that, okay, they've been around for a long time. Like they could stop at any time. Yeah. If we're going to do this, now's the time. Yeah. And we sort of thought, okay, well, we think it's a good idea. Was anybody else going to think it's a good idea? How does that work? And so, you know, Dave put together the Kickstarter campaign. And, and you guys you know, raised a great deal mm -hmm. of money for this because there was a lot involved. Mm -hmm. We ended up, we raised 42000 from Kickstarter. And really, it wasn't our friends and family that put the money in. It, I mean, really, like, it, it surprised me. I kind of thought... You know, when it happened, like I'm that person that anytime somebody comes to me and they've got a, you know, they're doing a fundraiser or they're whatever they're doing, like I always try to help. And I thought, like, this is the only time, I, you know, how I feel about asking for anything, yeah. but I sort of put it out there. And it really wasn't anybody I knew who came, through. like, and, there, and not to say nobody did. I had some friends and family that, that put sure. in and helped. But it was more impressive to me that it was complete strangers. And there were people from quickly. around the world. It was like 150 people that donated money to this campaign. And we yeah. didn't, Dave didn't know them. I didn't know them. No, they and I just, remember how quickly it all came together mm -hmm. too. I was just, again, <laughs> blown away. I was like, oh my gosh, mm -hmm. that is so awesome. So, so you guys were able to get a lot of money put together through Kickstarter. And like you said, a lot of people who didn't even know you. Mm -hmm. Um, and then what was your next step? So obviously you had to have a budget to to do something like this. Mm -hmm. How big was your crew? How did you plan for it? Like, can you give me, give me some of that, you know, detail? Our crew was two people. It was Dave. Two people? It was Dave and me. Um, oh, wow. So what happened, we had originally, the plan was we were going to go film in seven cities and that was pretty doable with the budget that we set out to raise. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, sort of, we, we were going to hit the main cities along the tour, like LA and Chicago, New York, and figured we could get to most of the people we wanted to talk to that way. And so Dave made a form that he put online for anybody, anybody who wanted to be a part of it, anyone who wanted to share their story, you know, that was how we were sort of getting the organization started. Yeah. And he made a point from day one. He's like, anybody who wants to be a part of it should be part of it. It wasn't like, let's, you know, how movies typically work. It wasn't, let's pick the prettiest people or the quirkiest people or, you know, anything like that. It was no, if like, this is everyone's story. He didn't really make it so that it was his story or it was my story or it was ours. Like it was, you guys it really was a community captured, effort. You captured, uh, the voice of, so many. Mm -hmm. I mean, well, I was, 
I was blown away when I watched <laughs> this documentary. How many people, I remember you, you told me some numbers. Uh-huh. How many interviews were there that you put together? We, we ended up interviewing 200 people, yeah. um, ranging in age from 12 to 74, uh, representing at least 25 countries. They were, it was just men and women from all over the world, all different backgrounds, everything you can imagine. Like, I mean, you couldn't cast better diversity at all. But what yeah. happened is with this forum, so many people reached out and wanted to be part of it that we figured out pretty quickly, we can't do this in seven cities. We, what are we going to do? And that's how it sort of took off because at that point we're committed. We're all, we're doing they were this. all in. This and is the time. This is what we're going to do. I want to, I want to just uh, interject one thing because this is kind of like, there's a little bit of a build to this story that I think is a really important part of the story that I want to really brag about you on. And that is early on, she was telling me about all of these interviews and she's like, Melissa, I really want to get Bono. I really want to get an interview with him. And I was like, wow, that's, that would be amazing. And she was like, I just, it's really important to me. And every couple weeks, couple months, as she was kind of telling me how things were going along the way, I would say, any luck yet? Did you get that interview? Nope, not yet, but I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it. (laughs) And I was like, all right, I know you are. I know you are. So the big part of it was uh, you w- had made up your mind that this was a really important part of the documentary for you was getting that interview with Bono, and um, we'll we'll keep we'll come back to that. But I just wanted to say along the way that this was a really big part of our conversation in updates oh, right. that you were sharing with me, yeah. and then. Tell me also a little bit about the international travel mm-hmm. that was involved. Uh, where did you go? Uh, internationally, um, it was basically spread out over five countries. So it was mostly in the U.S. We had a couple dates in Canada. We did um, London, Berlin, and Dublin. Yeah. So we, we had, obviously, for budgetary reasons, we couldn't go to all the international cities. It was just too expensive. Right. Yeah. Um, but Dublin, that's where the band's from. That was sort of a big one. London, there are a lot of UK fans that were all going there. So when we were setting everything up, and especially after we figured out, well, we can't do this in seven cities. We're just going to have to, we just have to do it because we have to tell the story the right way. And if that means that we have to put our own money into it to make it as good as it can be, that's what we're gonna do. And so, because it's me, and I had a color-coded spreadsheet of every city the band was playing, I reached out to everybody who filled out the form, they let me know which shows they were going to, uh, you know, just spent a lot of time figuring out- A lot of detail, a lot of detail. How we could get to every person in every city and what the options were. And then Dave came up with some ways of getting people who couldn't attend some of the shows. But that was, I mean, it was just really important to tell the full story and to let it happen naturally. And that's, it wasn't us, you know, doing interviews and making people say certain things. It was, and Dave was very good about the way he crafted questions. And he's, I mean, this band has been part of his life, his whole life too. So he knew what he to knew ask. how to ask the questions exactly. that would really help them help each person being interviewed mm-hmm. tell the story yeah. um, the best way. That's yeah. awesome. And we just it was just the two of us. And <clears throat> man, that guy he we bought a little PT cruiser for the, the you know 
just basically for the film travel. And he drove that thing from Vegas. And I forget the numbers of tens of thousands of miles that he drove it all the way across the country and then all the way back because he ended up keeping the car at the end of it. But just, I mean, hours and hours that we spent in that car. And I still had to do my other work at the time. So there's times when he was driving and I'm in the passenger seat with my laptop and I'm just clicking away. I know. I remember and you telling me, reporting you know, to me where you were <laughs> out in the middle of a cornfield somewhere and how you were like, we're still you know? plugging away. And I'm like, it was kind of like, where's Waldo? It was like, where is Amanda <laughs> McCune today? And yeah. she'd keep in touch with me or let me know. And that's another thing too, that I, I do want to give you a ton of credit for, because even though this was a passion project, you still maintained all of your client work. And, mm-hmm. you know, I remember you and I do a ton of work together with the voice actor studio and with, you know, my voiceover work. And, and, and I'm one of many of your clients you didn't miss a beat. I mean, there were definitely times where you would say like, look, this block of time, I'm completely out. I'm not available. And I loved the communication that we had. And I loved the way that you went about giving me heads up when Mm -hmm. you were going to be traveling. You actually gave me an entire just travel outage schedule of when you were semi-available, when you were not available. I'm sure this was was color-coded. I'm sure it was (laughs) color-coded. But I really want to just kind of give you some some high fives on that. Here, I've had a cold, so we'll just we'll fist pump. (laughs) I might sound a little congested today, but I'm I'm working on it. I'm almost I'm at the tail end of that cold. But anyway, I was really proud of you for all of that because you rocked Mm -hmm. it all. Well, thank you. And well, part of that though is because my company, Ardbark Girl, that's my my passion project too. Yeah. And I knew like I could just go out and not work for three months, but then what happens to my clients? And my clients right. are very important to me. And yeah. that it, it was a big part of it in that, yes, I mean, it was a fun project. It was a ton of work and it was exhausting. Like we, we didn't have U2's travel plans and accommodations. I mean, there were some Motel 6s in our lives and we just did everything super cheap because we were on a limited budget and what budget we had, we wanted to spend on the right things, not on us. And I'm, I'm pretty low maintenance, but you know, it was just exhausting to the point. Now I haven't been on a plane since November and it's March. And I'm really happy about that because as much as I love travel, I got a little bit burnt out. That was a lot. I got a lot burnt out really. That was a lot of travel for mm -hmm. you. And in a really short period of time, I mean, weeks and weeks of, (laughs) well, I'm going to be here. Well, Mm -hmm. I'm going to be there. But what I will say is you came back from, you know, all that travel, you and Dave put in even more work. And I mean, obviously, oh my gosh, I can't even imagine the amount of hours that were spent in all of the editing and laying things out and moving things around. (laughs) We'll just say that by the end of the filming of the interviews, we had over 600 hours of footage. Oh, oh, is that all? Just, Just 600 that, hours? Oh, so, no but, big but deal. But then when we got back, I got to hand that all off to Dave because he's the one who edited it and put it. Edited it is very Ed, difficult to say. Edited it. Edited it. He's the one, you know. Yeah. So you're like, I'm going to be over here with my spreadsheets. Right. I'll be calculating all the expenses and things that we did, but you go ahead and start digging into that. And the reason at that point, you know, we had, at that point, we were done. I put yes. that in quotes because we well, were you done. Weren't, but you and, weren't done. Right. And the thing is, and we captured the stories that we wanted and we never set off to do this, to talk to the band, to interview the band. Like it wasn't about that. But how great but, would it be 
If we got Bono or Bono, gosh, not <laughs> Bono, knew, you knew Bono, it, was happen. <laughs> it came out wrong. Sorry, but how great would it be if we got Bono? Well, and it, it wasn't just like that. Oh, this would be great. It's important to the story, and that really, you know, as a filmmaker, the Dave is or so. Music why is producer, it important to the story? And just like being a, drawn to stories in general, yeah. the reason that it became important to talk to the band was because we're telling about a relationship. And there's two sides to a relationship. And in this case, we had the fan perspective. We actually had a third perspective because we interviewed some people who'd grown up with the band, like, you know, their childhood friends, for some of the first DJs who ever played them, people, you know, who they're friendly with. And then what we were missing was just that input from their side. And throughout the whole filming, every time we talked to the band members, they were very supportive of it. I mean, Bono and Edge both, they wanted to do it. Their schedules are crazy. I mean, you think that it's crazy for us to to go on these, you know, 25 cities in three months, but that's what they were doing. Plus, I mean, they were scheduled down in the minute. I mean, it was was crazy and they did what they could to help us, but trying to even get, you know, and we weren't asking for a lot of time, but you know, you think everybody has a few minutes, but they don't. I mean, when they're on tour, they're go, go, go mode. So they gave us every little thing they could to try to help. And it got closer and closer. And just, I remember, I remember, um, Amanda saying, you know, I'm going to be out of town. I'm going to go to LA and I'm going to try to like, see what I can do, you know, to, to see if I can track this down. And I said, all right, girl, good luck. And that didn't come together. And then you were like, no, I failed again. It just, it didn't no, work I out. I use the word I failed. No, no, you didn't say you <laughs> failed. You, I, let me rephrase. I'm sorry, but you said didn't happen yet. Yeah, I right. think that was the, the yeah. better way to put it. But you said it didn't happen yet. And, but I'm not going to give up, I'm not giving up. And so then <laughs> do you want to tell, tell the story of how that all came together for you? Well, yeah. And I mean, there's, there's some things that I'm not going to get into because, you know, it's well, just, it's just, it's, it's Extra details. There's just stuff that's personal for, for, you know, it's it's just better that we keep it that way. Not for any sort of elusive reason. It's just, you know, when something's like that important, like you just kind of want to keep it to yourself. Keep it close. That's that. But you know, the thing, and Dave and I talked like every day about, you know, how can we do this? What should we do? It's just all strategizing. And the one thing that we always kept coming back to was a simple question. Have we done everything we can possibly do? And if the answer was no, that meant that we weren't done yet. And this, I mean, this extends far beyond this one project. That goes to my life. Have I done everything I can possibly do? The answer is no. Then you keep going. And it came down, we were... You know, the film was mostly edited. We had a version sort of ready to go. You guys had dates ready for, mm-hmm. to, to well, yeah, for yeah. people to come view, for viewing. Mm-hmm. The band had announced another tour. Yeah. And, you know, so they, they were rehearsing and they were going to launch their tour in Tulsa, which is an odd choice, but it was perfect because my dad lives really close to Tulsa. And I was like, great, so I'll go to this concert and I'll go see my dad. And that just made sense to do our, our, our world premiere in Tulsa. So we had the date planned. Uh, we had the theater. We were, did everything. But there was that nagging feeling. It's like, we, these guys want to do it. They told us they want to do an interview. We know that they're, they're truthful people. And it's, they're the most humble, like down-to-earth people you could imagine. Yeah. Like it's for being, you know, successful rock stars for 40 years like they don't act that way yeah. I mean they have their personas but 
Sure. They're just they're just good people, yeah. which is part of this whole draw. Yeah. And so we knew where they were rehearsing in Canada. So maybe we bought some one way tickets to Canada. I remember and, that day that that happened. And with no warning, like it was my birthday, and you know they we just knew, and it was like we we need to do this. And it's like it just sometimes when the instinct says go, I don't question it. I don't yeah. care if it makes sense. Dave lives in Hawaii, so he had even more to do, yeah. but he bought his ticket and then I bought my ticket. They actually wouldn't let him buy a one-way ticket for some reason. I guess he's more uh, threatening than I am, <laughs> but I just, I, I don't know. They'd let me buy it because I didn't, I didn't know how long I was going to be there because I yeah. wasn't coming back until I had what I needed. Yeah. So we went and it was freezing and I live in Vegas, so I'm not used to freezing. And it was like in the, 30s and it was snowing and I had all sorts of layers but we got there and our, our good friend Sean who's one of our executive producers he flew in from New York just to sort of give us some extra support three of us got there you know we got checked into our hotels we went down to where they were rehearsing within like 10 minutes the edge came out hey what's going on with the, the project you know like because he we, we talked about it and and we sort of gave him an update, like we, you know, just were never able to make the scheduling happen, but we're here now, like, you know, what can we do? And he, they, they were rehearsing. He's like, we can't do anything now, but you know, just we'll, we'll, I'll make sure I have your info. We'll, we'll get in touch. And the next day we kind of did the same thing. And then Bono came out and we asked him, you know, like, Hey, what can we do here? You know, again, here's sort of this, the situation. And he said, well, can you come back Saturday? Okay, I guess we're seeing, I think it's like Wednesday or Thursday at this point. I'm like, sure, why not? So we just kind of hung out in the freezing cold and we waited and didn't really know what was going to go on. And Saturday rolled around and it was super chaotic because it was like a hundred U2 fans showed up knowing that he was going to be there. And, you know, it was just a, a matter of, you know, he sent his security team over to say like, look, just wait over here. He knows you're here. He wants to talk to you. It's going to happen because so many people showed up and he's the type that he, he just can't help himself. He has to talk to everybody. The fans mean so much yes. to him that it took so long that by the time we did our interview, the band had starting rehears started rehearsing without him. And that's the only reason we didn't get the edge in it because he wanted to do the interview, but Bono talked for too long. But the thing was, you know, at that point that you can tell that it meant something to him. He, he didn't just give us quick answers. You could tell that he put a lot of thought into it. It was, I mean, we, we really only talked to him for about five minutes, but the sound bites that we use, like he said the perfect things. And that, it just, the, it, just for perspective, that was April 21st. And I think it was April 25th, we finally got the licensing approval to use their music in the film. And then May 1st was our premiere. So everything sort of came together in that last 10 days. And, and my favorite part of the story is you got Bono. And I was so, <laughs> I remember actually getting some tears in my eyes I because remember. I was so proud of you. I was, it just mm -hmm. really made my heart extra happy because I knew, you know, being on the sidelines and just being a good friend and hearing the journey and hearing all of the exciting wins along the way and the frustrations and the exhaustion and 
everything that went into this passion project, it was just really, really like the icing on the cake mm-hmm. for me when, and it was so <laughs> leading. It was like, it was so dramatic because it was leading up to mm-hmm. this build, this big crescendo of <laughs> the viewing, the date that uh-huh. where we were all going to get to come see it. And she said, well, I got Bono. Well, and I was just like, <laughs> yes. The, the thing was, you know, we, we didn't want to talk about it. We I kept know. it very, very quiet because you wanted it to be like a surprise we, for, uh, your, we for the fans. Yeah. And that was, it was a thing because the whole process, obviously that's what everybody wanted to know. Was the band going to be in it? And we told them like, probably not. And that wasn't to try to mislead anybody. We genuinely didn't really think that it was going to happen. Right. Partially, really mostly because of scheduling. Right. Um, but then when it finally happened, I mean, there were a couple people who were there at the rehearsals yeah. who were in the film also, and we basically had to, you know, make them swear to secrecy. And, you know, and but that was the thing. We wanted it to be a surprise for everybody. I mean, even even like our team, there were a couple other people who worked with us, our designer and this guy, Philip, in the UK that just, I mean, he promoted us and he is a really big part in how we got the Kickstarter campaign. Like he just found, we didn't know him before. He just, one day I got this call from Dave. He's like, there's this guy in, in UK and he's doing a live video and he's talking about our film right now. I gotta go. And then it so was just cool. because all these strangers really jumped in to help us. Yeah. And... It was great because in our our world premiere in Tulsa, in that theater, you know, there was an audible gasp when Bono showed up on screen for the first time. And it was just, Dave and I looked at each other and was like, see, this is why. And then I remember after, like, the cat was sort of out of the bag and you and I went to uh, Flower Flower Child, Flower Power. Yeah, It's this great sort of healthy restaurant that we have in town. And I just remember like, I got to show you something. And I, I showed her this, some, some photos of what happened. And I do, I remember like just, you know, seeing, it was almost like seeing the, the pride from you mm-hmm. is, you know, I, I do, it's not that I have a hard time taking credit for what I do. I'm very proud of what I do. Uh, I'm very confident in my abilities, but that was one thing. And it wasn't like I got Bono. It, it really has very little to do with Bono. It's, you know, it's just a part of it. What it was, was that we set out to do something. We did whatever we had to do to make it happen. And the result and what it meant to, like people, we, we did a few screenings kind of across the country and like, I, there people came out of the theater crying and giving me that's hugs. That's what I was going to say. Because I, I wanted to say to, to what you, add to what you were just saying, uh, the whole thing about the Bono interview, it wasn't necessarily like a a thing for you to have a feather in your cap. Mm -hmm. It was more, you knew that it would round out the whole experience for everyone that you were doing this for in the Mm -hmm. beginning, in the first place, which is the fans. fans. It was all about the fans. Mm -hmm. And so you knew that that would be that that beautiful ribbon that would tie everything together. But the fact that you didn't give up and you kept going and kept coming back, I just, I really felt, I felt so proud of you, but I also um, loved how you were just sort of like peaceful with everything. You know, it was just like, <clears throat> you were just like, that all right. happened, you yeah. know. Well, but, it, you know, it was it, part of it was that see, especially once we started doing it, it's seeing how much. I mean, the majority of the two hundred people cried during their interviews. It's because it's the very emotional, very personal yeah. parts of their lives connected to this music. <clears throat> And throughout doing that, like Dave had developed this huge sense of responsibility. He's like, I feel responsible 
to the band and to the fans to make sure this is right. And then as his producer, I felt that responsibility to Dave, like he wants to tell the complete story. I have to make sure that that happens. And, you know, it was not a one person effort. No, it was, it was, it was you a know, team effort. but I mean, and it wasn't just the two of us either. I mean, the hundreds sure. of people that threw in their support, like it never would have happened, Yeah. but it was just that, and, and in that moment, and then the Vegas screening was very special to me, obviously, because that's where my friends are. That's where my family and my clients and, and the family thing, you know, my dad in Tulsa and then my mom here, both of my parents got to see it. And it's just that thing with, you know, in the credits and it says Aardvark Girl and it has my name as, you know, the producer and the executive producer. I remember how loud we all screamed. Oh, I, I had, I had fans. Credits. It was, it was a little bit weird. It, it kind of so sunk fun. down into my chair. I'm like, oh, it was so weird. fun. <laughs> we were all so proud of you and, and Dave and everything mm-hmm. that you guys put together. But I'll, I'll never forget, you know, we were all together in that theater and, uh, the whole thing was just so well done. But then at the end, when, you know, time to roll credits, there you were. And I mean, we were all just like, yeah, taking <laughs> well, pictures and video and, mm-hmm. and high fives. But if you were to just kind of summarize uh, how you feel now, kind of looking back on it and, you know, that whole experience and following through with a passion project, how do you feel? How, how is it for you? It's exciting and it's it's motivational because now, and I had it before, but what I have now is that I look for that in other people. What you said when I lit up, when I started talking about it, I look for people to light up. And when they do that, I kind of push them to start doing the thing. Like I, I remember having this meeting with somebody that I've worked with, you know, off and on for years um, in the film community. And we were just talking about work in general. And then he shifted and he started talking about this documentary he wanted to make. And he had some ideas. And the way he was talking, it was just, he lit up. And the whole, there was this whole difference. And I'm like, well, what's stopping you from doing that? And he's like, well, you know, I'm just, I'm really not sure how to produce it. I'm like, hello, producer here. Yeah. And so, you know, we've been working on that and it's going to take some time, but he's moving forward and taking steps. And there's another woman that I work with and she's a, a director herself. And she had some ideas that she wanted to work with. And she said, well, do you think you could help me with that? It's like, well, yes. As a now, matter of fact, I can. My passion project is helping other people live out their passion projects. Because you experienced all of those different obstacles and and all the different things and you already know what to look out for so and you know how to plan it Mm -hmm. and I mean after you've gone through doing something once you can always look back and say okay here's how I would do that differently to improve the process the next time you know and even if it's not a film like I think that we should all be doing things that make us feel excited that you know if you get the goosebumps thinking about it or you get that tear in your eye or whatever it is when you're you feel that your whole self sort of shifts it's like when you are daydreaming, mm-hmm. what are you daydreaming about? Right. Because the clues for your passion project live in those daydreams or in they those do. moments. And actually, <clears throat> one of the things I, I brought in today, um, these were a few things for our audience. Oh. I wanted to just kind of say to help you think a little bit about, I think sometimes when you are consciously going, well, what's my passion? What am I passionate about? Mm-hmm. What could be my passion project? Uh, it's like when we have to think hard about stuff, it gets 
overcomplicated in our minds. Right. But here are a few sentences that I wanted to just kind of throw out that have a blank that if you were to kind of complete this thought or this sentence, um, I'm just going to throw these out for our viewers and listeners. If I only had more time, I would absolutely love working on, what would that be? Mm-hmm. If I didn't need to make a certain amount of money to support myself or my family, I would love to blank instead. What would that be? <clears throat> when I retire someday, I'm going to spend more time blank. What? And then I wish I could just I wish I could dedicate more time to creating mm-hmm. blank. And then uh, the last one is, I feel happiest when I spend my time blank. Yeah. So these are just some food for thought. Like, what is that for you? What, what do you love to get lost in? You know, what's a hobby? Or, you know, are you into crafting or making stuff? Um, man, like I, sometimes I think about Etsy Mm -hmm. and how just, I go on (laughs) Etsy just to see what the heck people make, Uh like stuff that I could (laughs) never even dream up that I need or want. And I'm like, that is so cool. Like all the different art and different woodworking and, and jewelry and different stuff. And that's, you know, that's, those are passion projects that people started. And then Etsy was born and Man, I love me some Etsy. I just wanted to say that. So, but, uh, what yeah. It, but what, what is, how would you answer some of those questions? What is a oh, Melissa man. most passion project? Because I know you've fulfilled some. Yeah. You know, what, is there something that you can, used to consider a passion project that you accomplished, or is there something you're working on now? Yeah. Well, thanks for asking. I got, I have a few. Well, I'll say that my whole voiceover career started as like a passion project because even as a kid, I was obsessed with commercials and I used to love mimicking them and it was just something I loved. But all throughout my early adulthood, I kept thinking somehow, some way I wanted to get into quote unquote doing commercials. I didn't really know what that meant. I didn't even know that it was actually called voiceover at the time when I was a lot younger. But um, when I did explore voice acting it was just something that I got lost in. And whenever I'd go to voiceover class, I was just, I couldn't wait till the next voiceover class. And I remembered feeling like, man, if I could just do this all the time, I would be so happy. And if I could figure out how to make a living doing this, that would be my dream. That's like one of my huge life life's, you know, dreams. And then when I started to actually get seasoned enough and start actually working in voice acting, and I had my first few bookings, I remember going into the studio right next door (laughs) on the other side of that wall, which is so crazy to me how things come full circle in life. Here we are shooting a podcast. It's crazy about all this stuff. Uh, I remember my first booking going into the live session and it being done in like five minutes. And I was so disappointed. I was like, man, I wish it would have lasted longer because it was so fun and they're going to pay me and I'm getting paid to do this commercial and this is so cool. And uh, my kind of thing I put out there to the universe was, how can I do this all the time? Because for me, time stands still when I'm voice acting. Whether I'm auditioning for voice acting or I'm doing the actual jobs, it is all the same thing to me. And 
I'm really proud to say that I have made a career in doing that. And it started as a passion project. It started as something that I did not care if I made any money doing it. I just loved it. But it just it just so happens that it's turned into a lucrative career for me. But I've worked really hard at it and I've put countless hours into mastering, I shouldn't even say mastering, I'm still mastering my craft, but uh, um, growing and honing my craft. I think that's the better word. Uh, just really putting in all of those, what do they say, like 10, it takes 10,000 hours to mm-hmm. master something. I don't know if, if it does take 10,000 hours because I still feel like <laughs> I'm probably like hundreds of thousands oh. of hours in and I'm still going, but that's one huge one for me. But I think that's sort of the key is that a passion project, any really any dream that you have, any goal that you want, it's not going to just fall in your lap. Yeah, I wish that it would, and I, I, it's not that you just put it out in the universe and then it, it shows up I magically. Mean, yeah, I know the, I'm, I'm all for visualization and attraction yeah. and all of that stuff. I understand how that works, yeah. but you have to do the work, and that is the you one. Do. It's the key, and it's it's and I'm I'm going to call it an excuse because there's I'm not going to sugarcoat it for everybody. Yeah. Most of the time when I talk to somebody and I discover what their passion project is and I start saying, "Well, how can you start moving towards that?" I am just met with block after block like I can't Resistance. I don't have the time. I don't have the money. It's the yeah. excuses. That's fine. Those are all valid. You need time, you need money. There's things that you can do. It's called work. It's sacrifice a lot of times. Yeah. It was same with me and my travel. I'm going to be gone for three months. I can't not work for three months. I mean, I, I could, but that's not the smart thing for me to do. Right. And so it was, yeah. So even though I might have eight hours of filming during the day, I'm going to get up really early and do my other client work. And then when I'm done at night, I'm going to get more work done. Yeah. If I'm sitting in a car and I'm driving, like there were times I was exhausted. Yeah. But, it was but if okay. it's important to you I, mm-hmm. and you really want to do it, yep. you're going to figure out a way to do mm-hmm. it. And, so, and that, that's what it, what it was. It was, and I wasn't, even though I was exhausted, I wasn't unhappy. I was so happy and excited because I was doing a thing that I really wanted to do. Like I, I love production, but right. what I'm really drawn to is storytelling. I like yeah, the humanity too. of it and hearing, you know, I got to hear 200 actually, you know, if you include Bono, I think it was 201, really amazing stories. It just, you know, 202, because then we get to hear yours. We'll have to get Dave on here sometime too, to tell his side of this. There were so many people like, well, why aren't you in the film? And like, it's, it's not about me. And it really, it wasn't, I, my, my own story, it's mine. And like I said, they were just always there. I didn't have a moment of discovery, but it was, it's just this thing that's been a huge part of my life. I mean, yeah. You know, starting at 11, I'm 37 now. But it's, you know, yeah. years and years of going to concerts and listening to music and building these friendships. And I, I have friends from around the world that I never would have met otherwise. And it's just that, you know, sometimes you find that one thing yep. that bonds you that it, with somebody you normally think I would never cross paths with that person or we would never have anything else in common. Yeah, it's it's really neat to see, you know, where things start. And, you know, a passion project can be like, it starts here, but I really think it really 
She's pointing at her head. It, oh yeah, I'm pointing at my head. <laughs> I forget that people are only listening too. But it starts obviously as a thought, but I think that if you're really feeling it and mm-hmm. you're really lit up about it and you're really inspired about it, that's the thing that's going to really get you to take action. But mm-hmm. like you said a, a couple of minutes ago, um, the most important thing about a passion project, really any kind of project or anything you want to accomplish is putting in that action and putting a little energy toward it every day. And, you know, it's like there was stuff that you were, you know, you were chipping away at with, with this project where you might only have an hour one day Mm -hmm. to work on it, or even maybe a half an hour. Same thing with my voiceover at the time when I was, when it was just kind of my passion project, hobby, side hustle, uh, thing that I love doing that was done so fast. Um, you know, I was doing other things. I was singing and performing on the strip, uh, in Las Vegas. I was helping my husband who was doing door to door sales, you know, for his water business. And we were doing so much stuff. Um, but I, I knew that eventually I wanted to figure out that way to do voice acting full time. So for me, my biggest passion, Passion project um, from from when I was a kid did really become my full time career, and one other big one, if you don't mind me sharing, please do, is. Uh, something that started in my living room as a hobby slash passion project, which was just bringing the voiceover community together, the, my friends, the people I knew um, together for little voiceover workout groups and gatherings blew up and turned into this gigantic thing that I never sat down and wrote a business plan for, which is the voice actor studio. And talk about a passion project, because that was so like, I did not care if I made a dollar. Actually, in the very beginning, which was really fun and a fun little cute side note, was all of my voiceover friends would come over to the house. I had my home studio, ranch style home. My home studio was in the living room. We bought a few folding chairs. And when you're a voice actor, you live a very isolated (laughs) existence. We're hanging out in a tiny padded room, practically in our pajamas. I don't know what that says about our, you know, personalities. Some of us with a straight, (laughs) right? Some of us with a straight jacket, others without. No, I'm just kidding. But um, it gets lonely. It really gets lonely. And so uh, the idea was just to bring all of us voice actors together to just kind of be there for each other, work on our craft, hone our skills. Some of us were more well-versed in commercial and others were more well-versed in animation and character or audiobook and things like that. And we'd all kind of like share on the genres that we were strong in and help each other get better um, and build confidence and stuff. But the thing was, uh, we would like have snacks and people would chip in. Snacks are hugely (laughs) important. You need energy. But like my friends would like show up and bring like, hey, I made brownies or hey, I brought these, you know, really cool, um, like Daniel, he used to always bring um, like shrimp, like platters and stuff. I know that's not your thing because you're vegetarian, but like he would bring like all this cool, these cool like hors d'oeuvres and stuff. And we were all just like, this is really fun. This is awesome. And then the next thing I knew, all of these friends of friends, like, oh, well, somebody, I know somebody who wants to get into voiceover. I want to have you help my friend out. Can I bring so-and-so? Next thing I know, 
all these different people I don't know are showing up at our house and we're doing all these little voiceover gatherings and workshops, super down home, hanging out in the living room. And it just grew and grew from there. And one day we had 36 people (laughs) show up at the house for a voiceover gathering. And my husband and I, Troy and I were like, this is getting out of hand. Like we're going to need to like rethink this if we're going to keep doing this. So that was a passion project as far as let me just bring my friends together and help everybody out and help myself out too, because I wanted to grow and I felt lonely and I wanted to see my, my voiceover friends. So anyway, that all grew into us eventually taking a, a chance and starting a, uh, a com- you know, getting a commercial location and it just built from there. And basically as people have told me what they need, I have done my best to just help provide it for them Mm -hmm. and serve the community. And it's just gotten to be this amazing experience for me. I've learned how to become a better business owner and serve people better and um, a better communicator and a better, better in every area of my life because of other people, because I wanted to help other people get better at voice acting and grow a little bit myself. Uh, it's just been this great unfolding of building a community and everybody like benefiting. So anyway, I just I get passionate. I'm all like, ah, I'm all wide, <laughs> you know, revved up. But that's that's what I, I, love I look it. for. That's what you look for. I think that's one of the things that we have in common and why yeah. this works so much despite our obvious differences. Yes, um, but it's. She doesn't like shrimp. And it's fine. She thinks that I'm obsessed with butter. So. It's fine. Or margarine. No, definitely not margarine. But, you know, no, it's. Margarine. I think like step number one it, like, is identifying what is it that you want to do. Yeah. Number two is believing that you can, and that yeah. is, you know, I know actually we have it in our next episode. We're going to talk about solution mindset and how to sort of overcome obstacles. So I don't want to get too much into that now. Yeah. But definitely tune in if you want to hear more about that. Yes. Um, But it's, you know, taking one step at a time to say, okay, this is what I want. What can I do? What's one thing I can do now to start making my way towards that? And it doesn't mean you have to buy a one-way ticket to Canada, but you can. But it's, are you doing everything that you can possibly do to get the thing that you want? And if you're not, what can you change to do that? And it does come with sacrifice. Like for me, I had to sacrifice a lot of sleep. And a lot of comfort because I was, you know, traveling so much, but it's the same thing. You know, I just, I I don't have any time. It's like, well, could you maybe not watch that episode of that TV show? Could you spend that hour doing something to work towards your dream? And then it's up to you to decide, is that important to you or not? You have to, you've got to look for those little tiny windows of time in your day. And sometimes it's just about being organized too and planning, uh, planning ahead and, you know, knowing that next time I get a little bit of free time or I have a hole or a little pocket of time that I can do whatever with, maybe instead of getting on social media, you spend that half an hour super hyper-focused digging into maybe doing research on this thing that you want to do that you don't know how to do or uh, asking around to see if, if somebody, a friend of a friend, know somebody who might be able to mentor you or uh, be there for you. But I think if there's a will, there's a way. I mean, that's that's a saying that's been around for a long time, but you have to be willing to put in the energy. But oh my gosh, if, if it's like something you're that passionate about, 
it's not going to feel like work. It's just going to feel so good. Talk about feeding your soul. You know, it's Mm -hmm. just like, like being here, our Mm -hmm. podcast, that's another really big one. Like Amanda and I are not being paid to be here. (laughs) And I could be at home right now, you know, Mm -hmm. doing things for my voiceover career. I could be auditioning. I could be, you know, serving my clients or I could be writing workshops or classes for our studio. But this is super important to me because um, one of my greatest passions in life is I love to inspire other people. And um, people say to me often here at the studio or who know me, they're like, Melissa, you're so positive and you're so inspirational. And I'm like, thank you. That's, I'm so happy you feel that way. But for me, it's like, I love to do the stuff that lights me up inside. Mm -hmm. And I get so pumped (laughs) when I see other people doing stuff that Mm -hmm. lights them up inside because that's living fully. That's not having life happen to you, but you deciding how you want to live and what you want to do with your time. And that to me is just like the best thing ever. So <laughs> I'm really excited. Uh, she, she's all lit up right now. I'm it's, really lit but up it's, today. It's good. It's one of, one of our friends asked me the other day, she's like, well, what, what made you guys finally decide that you were going to invest the time and money to do the podcast? Like that's yeah. a lot of it, and it is, it's, it's time to record and it's cost of editing so and the place it. and the gear and all of that. But it, to me, I don't think it feels like work to either. No. I look forward me I, too. to these recording sessions, yeah. you know, despite the fact we've talked about not loving being on camera or any of that, but it's, I get to hang out with one of my really good friends yes. and we get to talk about the things. One of the things that I am, you know, you say hobby or what is the thing that you like to do? I'm not a small talk person. I just, I don't want to talk about the weather or this, not that there's anything wrong with it, but I like having real conversations and I'm I'm drawn to sort of the psychological element of humanity. And I want to know what drives people. Why am I the way that I am? Like, why is it that I have been able to do all these things? And it's, you know, it's just, I was born with a determined personality and I have owned that, but it's, I know so many people that aren't doing what they want to do and I, I believe that they can do it and I see, and it's like in my head, it's like, well, I, you know, what if they just did this, but it's not always my place and I don't ever want to try to force some, because I feel like the second you start trying to push somebody, yeah. they could get defensive and that's, that's not a, a positive way to go. Yeah. But I just, I am always telling people like, do you decide that you're ready to do this? Let's chat. I have ways that I think I can help. And even if not, I'm going to support you. You have your Amanda McCune ways. My ways. No, but I I just wanted to add to what you're saying. And that is this podcast, I know for me personally, if, if one person hears us say something in just that perfect way that they needed to hear it to, um, you know, start a passion project or to feel inspired or to, you know, dig deep if they're feeling fearful or feeling, um, you know, uncertain or whatever, then that to me, it's like, we've, we've done our job as far as like, uh, that's lighting our fire, right? Mm -hmm. That this is our passion project. So I think, what I'm passionate about for our viewers and our listeners is that we're spending our time sharing with each other. We're here growing ourselves and I look super forward to it too. And, uh, I want, I just want everyone who's with us to know that they've got support and they're not alone and that, um, 
you know, we're, we're all in this together. You know, I've said that earlier on in our, maybe our first or second episode, but that's what it's all about is we have community and man, with the internet now and, and podcasts and all of these different means to share information and lift each other up, it's like, what an awesome platform for us to be able to just share the things that we love and help people, you know, tune into their best, you know, their best potential. Yeah. Yeah. And that, I mean, it's, that is, you know, part, part of one of well, the elements of, you know, my company and what I've been drawn to and another part of the passion project, it's that it's the whole, whole consulting coaching side, because yeah. I feel like I have this, you know, just this experience that I have that's sort of unique in a lot of ways. But then I, you know, same thing, I find out like there are other people there, the answers are almost almost always inside that person already. A lot of what I do has to do with listening and asking questions and sort of helping them come to the answers, but I'm not telling them what to do, but I'm holding them accountable for, this is your goal, here's our strategy, here's how we're gonna get you there. And I'm gonna check in and make sure, you know, there's deadlines and there's certain things, there's homework that I give people. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times I'm finding that that is the one thing they're missing is this, there's this idea and this thing that they want, but putting it into action, it's really overwhelming because where, where do you start? And sometimes you kind of need somebody else to kind of bounce things off of, or for, for Mm -hmm. someone else to help organize your thoughts. Because if you have this grandiose idea or this, this thing that you know you want to do, or you, you believe in your heart you want to do, but you don't have that roadmap or, you know, what's the first step that I have to Mm do, um, having somebody else to kind of help you, you know, organize those thoughts is, is huge. Yeah. And, and you, you are really good at that. Thank you. You're but welcome. It's, a lot of that, again, I just, I think, trust your instincts. You know, if that, if you have that thing that keeps coming back at you and it's nagging at you and I really want to do that thing, listen to it. Like every decision that I, like I've said, I'm super logical. I'm analytical. I think a lot. I don't just make rash decisions. But my instinct says something, even if it doesn't make any sense. I'm going to do it. And the best decisions in my life have been the ones that didn't make any sense. And, you know, I just, I want other people to have that experience and to feel the way I felt when I was making the film or the way I feel when I'm working on my own business, the way you felt when you got into voiceover and made a living doing this thing that you loved, or when you started the voice actor studio, all of these things. And I I know because we talk about this a lot and there's just an enthusiasm that comes up just in talk. We're not talking about anything specific right now, other than people living out their passion projects. And we want to help that. Yeah. So I I say, I was just going to add one more mm-hmm. quick thought. I just say that to kind of wrap up one of the things you mentioned is act on inspired thought. Mm. So if a thought pops in your head and it just rocks your world and you feel so good in that moment with that thought, run with it, go with it. It's like write that person an email or uh, you know dig into Google searching your buns off about that topic that you're like, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. That is so amazing. I should look into that. Do it right now. Do it right now. Don't wait because that is an inspired thought. It's there for you for a reason. So 
I think we are coming up on a, about an hour of hanging out with our mm -hmm. awesome friends. And it's, it's perfect timing because maybe this, maybe watching or listening to this is that sign you've been looking for. So we're going to sign off and you're going to go make one step towards whatever your passion project is, even if it's just figuring out what is your passion project. Yeah. So we would love to hear about it. Yeah. Uh, if you want to reach out, drop us a message on social media. Um, we, we would love to hear more about what is your passion project or post pictures of your passion project. Just share. We want to know what you're up to you know. and we're cheering for you. So thank you for hanging out with us today. And passion project day has gotten me feeling very passion, very passionate, very passionate, very passionate, but not it, about butter, not about <laughs> butter, not about margarine, your dream. I'm telling you, but tell man. us about it. We want to hear. Thanks again for watching and listening. We'll catch you next time. Bye. Thanks for tuning into the Womanpreneur Podcast. Until next time, you've got this.